Hello, my name is Paul Cornelis, and welcome to the next episode of Harkins Builders' new podcast, Conversations in Construction. For those of you who don't know, Harkins Builders is an employee-owned general contractor specializing in commercial, government, and multifamily projects. Harkins services the Mid-Atlantic region with three locations and has over 55 years of construction experience. At Harkins, we share our successes and our failures because we learn, grow, and become closer to one another by telling our stories and lessons learned. With me today, I have Shane Carbaugh, who is one of our lead superintendents out of the Mid-Atlantic region. We've invited him here today, and good uh, afternoon, Shane. Hey, thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me. Yeah, hey, of course. Of Glad course. to so, be here. <laughs> well, good. Good to see you. It's been a while. So we have invited you in today to have a little discussion about structures and some of the things that we experience in Harkins throughout our multiple different buildings, whether it's wood frame, whether it's hambro, whether it's steel, whether it's concrete plank. You've got good experience in, you know, working with multiple structures. So that's that's our main reason and we're gonna have a little conversation about that today. So again, thank you for coming in. And just to give a little bit of color to our conversation, you and I worked together what, ten years ago? No, maybe even longer than that. I think it was about nine, wasn't it? Fort Dix? Yeah. Where was that in your life cycle out at Harkins? That would have been my fifth job with Harkins, but that was my second job as a site manager. You know, my first three jobs where I was a superintendent and I got promoted up to site manager. When I came to Fort Dix, it was 2008 because that was when the market was tumbling. That's right, because we were hot and heavy. Up you guys there. had a lot of stuff going on up there and we had a lot of stuff wrapping up down here. Yeah. So, you know, they used some timing to shift some folks yeah. up north. I mean, know. and speaking of structures... Yeah, that was I quite mean, a that structure. was steel, concrete. But before that, all wood frame? Before? Uh, up to that point, everything had been wood frame, yep. And Harkins, as a company, we're known as the wood frame sure. builder. But funny enough, we do a lot more than just wood. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and that was probably your first exposure to a different type of structure than wood. Before I came to Harkins, you know, when I was in college, I worked for a company called Echo Construction. We did some high rise work down in Silver Spring and downtown DC, but I wasn't a manager or anything like that. And I I was, you know, we were just, you know, swinging hammers at that point. But I had been exposed to it and been around a little bit. But that was my first real experience was at Fort Dix with, yeah. you know, with the concrete, the, the steel. You remember we had the radiant tubing under the slab. And, yeah. and there was a lot of coordination that had to happen up there in that building. And very heavy MEPs up there, which is the reason I was up there was for the, for the MEPs. I think Tom Stone or somebody else did most of the structure there. So let's kind of get into a little bit of what we're here to talk about today. And, and again, that's I alluded to that, and that's structures. And I'm going to jump right into one of the buildings that you're dealing with now on your current job and the structure there. So that is a senior living, a Bright View. Yep. So currently I'm at Bright View Fair Oaks which is in Fairfax, Virginia. It's a hodgepodge of construction. We have over a 900-foot concrete retaining wall that ranges in height from anywhere from 24 feet down to, I want to say 12 feet at the smallest area. And that retaining wall is part of the foundation? The foundation. The steel or whatever sits on top of that? Half the building is metal stud hambro. The other half is conventional steel with wood framing. And everything marries back to that concrete retaining wall that allows the building to be a split where it's a walkout on both sides. But, you know, one side's a basement, they call it a terrace. And then obviously you walk out on the first floor of the upper section of the building. So it's got a 
a lot of unique challenges with everything trying to nest in there with that concrete retaining wall. It's not your first experience with that Hambro? Hambro, yes. I've done dock plank, Miller's Grant had. Miller's Grant was a very similar setup, but there we used the concrete dock plank. That bared on the retaining wall, that also bared on some CMU, that bared on some steel, and that bared on some heavy gauge metal framing. So that building had all those components come together where Fair Oaks just has three of the four. So we kind of hit on what you're doing today. You you touched a little bit on Miller's Grant and the complexities in that, but also too, you've done, you were out at uh, Shepard, right? That was all wood frame? Shepard was a podium. It was a conventional steel podium with poured concrete deck. I did a renovation job years ago called 911 Call Center. That was a true concrete building. It was concrete with steel, so they had put concrete columns up and it set structural steel and we had to do I want to say 150 beam slots through that existing building to run heavy mechanical systems through so that was a cool project huh. as well so did that compromise oh well we the, had to I do, mean, you, I mean, had to do shoring had to okay. shoring you go in and you you know they made these H uh, reinforced H plates they called them so you know it looked like an H and you had to have those things pre-made in a shop. They had to come out, weld those in between the, you know, the webs of the beams. And then once it was all welded, then they would come in with a plasma cutter and cut the holes out. But huh. you had to put those repairs on both sides before you cut anything out. Well, I mean, if you think about it, the structure, it's a skeleton of the building. Sure. So anytime you stress or put anything on that structure, you have to accommodate for mm-hmm. that, regardless of the type. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm sure, you know, in your experience, whether you're hanging a piece of mechanical equipment off of a wood frame building or if you're hanging it off a plank, you've got different considerations to kind of go through. Absolutely. And, and you have to plan for all that stuff. At Miller's Grant, I think we had this humongous boiler room. I mean, it was a big boiler room. Service the whole complex? Yeah, serve, you know, it was a 440,000 square foot building, plus or minus. I mean, it was a big building. At Miller's Grant was a huge CCRC. Yeah. It was a, an enormous project for us. It had multiple different facets. The building itself is huge. Yeah, it's And there's a lot of different pieces that are all connected, right? Yeah, but at the end of the day, it has a central plant that all is pretty much... controlled everything. ...fed out of one boiler room. That particular boiler room, you know, it was on the, I guess, the terrace or the basement, whatever you want to call it there, and it had dock plank ceiling. And one of the big lessons learned out there was we needed to coordinate all the hangers with the dock plank. Originally, we didn't do a good job of that, and we ended up having to go in and do some repair details there where we, before we poured the topping slab, had to insert additional steel through the cells and grout areas to get the hangers to hold mechanical piping and expansion tanks and you know everything else that went in that boiler room because we didn't plan for that. Yeah. We didn't think about it early on. Luckily, we had caught it before the topping slab was poured or anything like that because on those kind of projects, you had to put these plates down and then the threaded rod would then hang off those plates, but those plates actually sat on top of the dock plank. And then when you poured the topping slab, it made the head of the rods all disappear, and you had a nice smooth floor up there. And you wouldn't know this, but the dining room was actually above the boiler room. Having all these rods sticking up through the dining room ceiling would, so or are, floor are, would have been a problem. Would that dock plank, when it comes shipped out to the site, are some beefier than others that go in? Because they're all precast, like yeah. they're all pre-made. On the project we did, Old you Castle was the supplier. They didn't come out pre-loaded. But you had details for areas like we identified here where, you know, they would, in the field, you would put the rebar in, grout them. So we just didn't know it going in. We just kind of figured it out as the course of construction unfolded. You know, so it wasn't really a mistake. We just didn't plan for it originally. Yeah. You know, it was a big lesson learned. That I'm sure some of those systems, whether it's 
the dock plank, whether it's the hambro, whether it's it's wood, whether it's a podium. Some are more flexible in manipulating than, sure. than others. Absolutely. So your bright view now, you know, maybe you could change things a little bit easier than you could on the shepherd with the podium or the dock plank. Are there certain things that you know, depending upon the structure, it kind of leads you down one path as opposed to another? If you step back and you plan for it, all of them are pretty flexible. You know, in the Fair Oaks project, we bimmed the building. And since we bimmed it, we were able to take advantage of a lot of different techniques that if you don't bim it, you're kind of like the structure's locked. Yeah. And what I mean by that was most people, you know, in a wood frame building, you know, you're dropping your floor joists in 24 inches on center, <laughs> which gives you a 21 and a half inch interior spread. Well, one of the things we found out through the BIM process was a lot of the duct work and a lot of things weren't going to fit, and we knew it going in, so we were able to move things, but yeah. you can only move things as far as the plywood will allow you, right, because your plywood has a span rating. So what we did there, which was interesting, was instead of putting your three-quarter inch tongue and groove down, we put seven-eighths, which allows you to overspan out to 32 inches on center. And that gives you a huge amount of flexibility to get duct work and various lighting and all things to coordinate because you don't have so many joists. Everything's spread out more. Did, did that affect the space above, though? No, no, no. All you're doing is you're opening the trusses more to allow more space in yeah. between the trusses. And that all is dictated by the plywood. So you didn't have to add double or triple top cords or bottom cords. It's the same truss. It's just spread more apart because now you have a thicker plywood that's more and that sturdy. plywood, was it the roof or was it the second floor? No, we're talking about just floor floor yeah. sheathing. So typically we would use three-quarter inch tongue and groove. Got now it. you're going up to seven-eighths, and it doesn't sound like a big deal, but that allows you to open it up from a 24-on center spacing to 32 inches on center. So that extra eight inches is all eight inches in between the joists. You gain all that additional space. So instead of having a 21-inch duck, can go out to a 27-inch duct, and you can flatten things, and gives you more room to adjust. And and that's what you're doing right now at Fair Yeah, Oak. we did it, and, and it costs more. You know, yeah. you had to pay a premium. I think it was uh, for two floors out there. It was close to thirty thousand dollars. The only places we did it were on the terrace level, which is the first floor, and then the second floor because that's where our common spaces were. You know, once we get up to the units, we were able to allow the 24-inch on center to work. Like, that's not something you can do after the fact. You know, once the building's standing there, you can't go ripping the walls out to change the sheathing to open the trusses up. Just like with the Hambro, when you're in the design phase, we're usually doing a 2D coordination or whatever. But if you go with the BIM, they have very stringent spacing requirements on Correct. that as the well. Hambro does, that's right. But you could change your starting points and your work points and space things to give yourself the desired openings that you need to get ductwork where you need it to get. You mentioned about the rigidness of Hambro because Hambro is a certain product. They have their certain design elements and criteria. So you're stuck within that box. I think your flexibility is a little bit more as far as your load points and things like that where you can be more flexible. And a lot of it just has to do with proper planning. If you know these things going in and you can catch it during the submittal or the design phase, you have a lot more flexibility and can do a lot more adjusting. Once those handbro joists are cast into the concrete deck, you're, you're yeah. not moving them. Yeah, yeah you no know, turning you, back at that point. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, I mean, there's repair details and things you could do to, you know, there's workarounds, but that's like last case. You don't want to do that. You know, with all the different structural systems you know you have some that are more flexible than others and in addition to that you've got fire rating in certain ratings that some are very different than others sure absolutely. and, and you have to accommodate 
for those, you sure. know, like a wood structure versus a concrete. It has to play in the schedule. It has sure. to play into a bunch of different things. Well, but it's, it's sequencing, and you have to have a double ceiling. You know, a lot of these wood frame jobs. Well, let's start with the Hambro. The Hambro, there's UL assemblies that will allow you to have the deck, then the Hambro, and then you can have the finished rated ceiling can hang down. Where with the wood buildings, a lot of times to get the UL rating, the assembly has to be right tight to the bottom cord, which makes a big difference because on a wood building, you need to get the duck up. You have to then get the duck, the plumbing, whatever up in that truss space, you have to get that finished, get all that inspected, get it insulated and hang a ceiling and then come back and start all that again if you have acoustical ceilings or whatever below. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With the Hambro, you can kind of just run all that stuff. And Call it a day. Get it all done. Yeah, you can actually drop. run your drops. You can cut your sprinkler heads. You can do everything. And then you frame the ceiling up under it and just gives you a lot more flexibility with the cavity space. So have you looked at the different schedule ramifications based on the certain structure? You just described two separate processes. Sure. And, and with that process, both of those are going to challenge your schedule in whatever aspect that they do. Sure. So I'm sure that there's some part of our process and you get engaged in the pre-construction. Mm -hmm. It's like looking at that stuff and saying, hey, listen, maybe I can get a month yeah. out of that project if you do go hamper. Granted, it's a little bit more money. Have you gone down that rabbit hole no, or no, no. <laughs> you're, you're spot on no but that that sounds like a good thing yeah. for, for uh patrick Tennessee or or russell or uh, one of those guys uh, no yeah. i haven't looked into that but, but i can but, but i can't tell you just from the job we're on right now we have a hambro section and then we have the wood frame section the hambro will definitely move faster than the wood building in terms of the mep roughings to to final inspection and close up. Just because you don't have the two mobilizations. You yeah. don't you don't have to run the above the you know the stuff in the truss cavities, get it inspected, insulate all that stuff, and then do it all again. But did I ever sit down and like do a exact comparison? No. But yeah. I can just tell you it's it's gonna be faster. And the other thing that's nice about the Hambro is with the Hambro comes MC cable. With the wood building, for the most part, you're talking Romex. And the jurisdictions, you know, it depends on which jurisdiction you're in. You know, the MC cable's rated for damp locations, which allows you to get started a lot earlier with gotcha. the MEP trades. And, yeah. you know, usually the last guy in the door is the electrician for Correct. us. So this allows him to get moving sooner than when he typically would in the Romex building. So what happened for us out there was we started attacking the metal first, and then we wanted to come in with the wood, but... We actually flip-flopped it at, at one point, but now we have the metal building kind of ready to go because we were able to start that electric so much sooner. And it really helps you to expedite your schedule and helps move along faster. So in that instance, at that Brightview project, you've got two different structures, mm -hmm. right? So your sub-base, you've got one group who's building a structure, and then you've got another subcontractor that's building a separate structure. Oh, yeah, so, absolutely. So that coordination, and then you've got other contractors, which I'm sure like your, uh, we'll use the electrician, for example. You know, some electricians do Romex all day long. Sure. Others, maybe not so much. You right. know, their teams are set up and their workers are set up for a particular work scope as opposed to another one. Your structure dictates a lot of 
other things within the project. Some things it's a blessing to have two different contractors for. We were able to have the concrete crew and panel systems, who was the, the framer on the metal and concrete portion, the Hambrough side. They were able to be working while the wood carpenter, RFC, was able to go to town on the wood building. So, yeah. you know, in that scenario, it's great because you have two different contractors. This guy has 30 guys. That guy has 30 guys. One of those guys might not have been able to put 60 men on the job at one time. Yeah. So it's nice to be able to split that up. But then when you get to like the electrician, he's got to go the whole way across the whole building. While you have both sections come up at the same time, some trades can handle that, some can't. And we ran into that issue at Miller's Grant that, you know, with that 440,000 square foot building, you know. Some could keep up. Yeah, I mean, at one point we were running 80 electricians out there. And, you know, we were saying, we need more men. You know, like our whole company is here, guys. We'll start bringing our kids. Yes, (laughs) our our whole company is here. Like, no, we're tapped out. It's nice to be able to split some of them, but. Some of these guys, you just can't split them. One electrical company's got to go across because yeah. of permitting and warranties and all, yeah. you know, all that stuff that goes with that. Yeah, and I guess going back to the structure and kind of comparing the, the Miller's Grant and then the project that you're working now, with those two, your structural engineer goes across both of them, obviously. But in that design, you weren't involved in the pre-con at Miller's Grant no. as much as you were. You were partially involved in the Brightview? Partially involved at Brightview. Um, I kind of was here at the office for about two months. But by that point, the design was baked. We were kind of working on QC and, you know, all the stuff on the Harkins management side up front. Not so much structure plan review or any of that stuff. That, that was already finished by that point. Yeah. But to that point, though, too, the structure, your foundation has to be different on that, you know, the wood side versus the metal side because it's, you know, there are different weights. There's different reactions. So that effect goes all the way down to the ground, right? Sure, absolutely. And that's another place where BIM came in, big help for us, you know, was in coordinating all the MEP stuff through the metal side versus the wood side. Because, you know, like you said, the wood side had shallower footings. Yeah. And the spreads weren't quite as big. But on the metal side of the building, foundation was much deeper. And some of that might have been topography of the site, too. Okay. Because, uh, you know, the site kind of felt falls off more towards the back than it does in, in the front. Tell me about structure and how it affects things like ADA. It comes in two different ways. One's when the concrete building marries up to the wood building, inevitably the (laughs) wood building grows. And, you know, out there we saw the building grow over an inch. On the fourth floor we come in an inch higher than the other building. Luckily, Hord Copeland Mock had kind of planned for that. So we're expecting the building to come back down some level. Yeah. You know, once the gypcrete's poured, once all the drywall's hung in the building, yeah. all, all this weight gets in the building, we're expecting it to come back down. They had actually planned on, in the corridors, a slight ramp detail to take, you know, we'll just come in with some Ardex or whatever and kind of feather the two buildings back down to marry them up so that it's within ADA tolerances. The other area where it really comes into effect is where you're trying to jam we have these big moment frames in the uh, Hambro side of the building. Right. And these things are giant six by four inch tube steel, big frame that goes up. And what are these for? I don't know exactly what it is, but it, it's taking shear in some Got form it. of fashion out of the building. Yeah. And these things, you know, it, it starts at the ground and it goes all the way to the roof. And then the actual roof trusses sit on top of it as well. Uh, but anyway, you're trying to set a six inch metal tube in a six inch metal wall. We're using all the latest, greatest yeah. technology, but it's hard to get everything perfect. And then the architect, he's given you a, a corridor that's six foot four. Well, you know, it's six foot four for a reason, and it's so they can get that gurney down the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, if you take up a half inch, you're... You know, and if your column's leaning a little bit, if your anchor bolts were off just a hair, like, you know, all that stuff can really wreak havoc where the structure in ADA 
don't come together. A lot of these designers and engineers, you know, they'll have structure right beside windows and right beside unit entry doors. There might be a, a column going up. Yeah, and, where you need a little bit of tolerance to, to know, get that. But at the same time, you need that 18 inches clear on that latch side of the door. So I'm sure that ADA analysis early on, you're looking at those big corridor areas, sure. your front door accesses, you know, that's got to be something that you guys from as it relates to the structure absolutely you have to you know in these ccrc buildings and these senior living buildings i mean ada is that's the target audience of what the building is made for yeah so you know these guys stephen winters and these consultants they're holding you down to eighth of inch so i mean the tolerances are very tight you've got to kind of work backwards you got to start with shoe molding base trim drywall stud to get to the column to make sure that you're not going to be encroaching into that 18 inches by half inch because if you do you're going to be tearing things apart creating rework you referenced a little bit about the mechanical systems as well and this is just on the vein of talking about other things that you need to accommodate for in a structure so all of these senior living type of buildings or even all the, even like the student housing one that you you are experiencing with you've got some of these amenity spaces, whether it be a commercial kitchen or whether it be these other areas that have, yeah, you know, correct. And you have to accommodate these within that structure. So you, you need clear spans or you need access for grease traps or ductwork, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that. And everyone wants high ceilings. (laughs) Yeah, 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 that's right. In some instance, I know you referenced how you had to have that repair on that one because of the mechanical room. Are there certain things that you can do or that you've learned from that, that it's like, listen, let's try to accommodate it for, or at the end of the day, it's like, I was talking with another guy about floor drains at one point, and they were talking about just, at the end of the day, just core drill them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, don't try to prepare for it, just go and core drill it. So on certain things, is it like, you know you're gonna have to do a repair, so it's like, just account for that, or is it better And have you seen any benefits to try to be proactive and maybe make that planning? If you have BIM, obviously that's that's going to help a lot. But if you don't, I mean, you've got to do the best you can with the 2D overlays. And now with the technology we have with Bluebeam and even Procore does a good job of overlays. I mean, you can catch a lot of stuff in a 2D coordination effort. Some of the things we're doing out in the field now are I have the ceiling tile snapped on the floor before we even had the windows in the building. So, you know, the guys are going around, they're snapping all the grid out, they're laying all the bulkheads out, like, and we're putting that in guys' scopes of work way up front now to make sure that everything is laid out, make sure everyone goes immediately, and, you know, sprinkler guy marks where his sprinkler head's going to go. Duck guy marks where his 12 by 6 return, or whatever. Lighting, smoke detectors. Everyone takes up those tiles on the floor before you even start to try to avoid some of those costly conflicts on the back end. But that's only going to fix like finished things and things below the ceiling. Like if the structure's in the way, the structure's already in the way. Yeah. So the structure, you really got to try to do your best during those shop drawing reviews, during that 2D coordination, get everyone in the room, get them set, have coordination meetings. You have the financial resources. BIM will help a lot. BIM will not catch everything. And I'm Um, sure also too, like a lot of that onus when you do BIM is put on the subcontractor. Absolutely. So it's, it's making sure that those subs have that capability as well, because that shop drawing process is critical in that structure. And it's also making sure that what those guys are modeling is correct. Just like guys 
install it wrong in the field, guys draw it wrong. They might draw the, the joist in, but they didn't show the ears that hang out from the hanger. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and it doesn't yeah, seem like a big the, deal, yeah. but the hanger hangs out an inch and a half more than the truss. Correct. And you were expecting to have 21 and a half inches clear. Well, you don't. You yeah, only Mrs. Have Smith is looking in a room and she says, hey, what's that little, can I hang my plant off that? You sure, know, it's like, exactly. no, that's the, that's the steel beam. We missed that one. Right. You know, it's. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, maybe you got some crazy plate details where the structural steel is all coming together or something. You have to know all those things and yeah. you have to coordinate around all those things. It's not easy. There's, there's yeah. no magic wand that you can just swing at the thing and it all goes away. You try to catch as much as you can up front, then you have to deal with what you don't on the back end. If you miss something at the coordination <laughs> level, it's yeah. going to show up at some point and you're going to have to deal with it. Yeah. And I mean, I guess too, is across all those different structures, that pool of subcontractors, it's probably stronger in one oh, aspect yeah. than, than others. Yeah. I mean, when you get into the concrete and steel world, you're dealing with a different caliber of subcontractor than you are when you're on the wood side. Yeah. Uh, that's not to say that we don't have good uh, trade partners Understood. on the wood side. It's a different caliber of folks. And the level of accuracy, it needs to be accurate in both. But when you're trying to bolt steel together, you, yeah, you have your very, tolerances, your tolerance yeah. is very small, very tight. You yeah. can't stretch steel. You can't just grab your saws all and start cutting yeah. things. Well, it makes it that much even more complicated in these buildings where they do have varying structure types. Oh, absolutely. You know, because you have that not only diversity among structures, but also diversity among subcontractors and trades and how that gets designed. That makes it even more of a challenge. Yeah, and there's it, there's no, I don't want to say there's no flat sites, but every <laughs> site right. now yeah. is like, yeah. you know, this terrace level, yeah. you know, it's jumping from five yeah, different stepping elevations. Stepping that footing, everything's got a retaining wall because you can't, you're building on the side of a hill. Exactly. It's, that just is another level of complexity that you have to deal with, especially when you're bringing four or five different material types together. Yeah. Um, and you have to account for shrinkage and growth and, you know, all these things. And at the end of the day, all the finishes have to account for all that stuff. The gap schedules and the, you yeah. know, it varies between the wood and the concrete, yeah. you know, because things, concrete and steel is not going to shrink like the wood building yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, a lot of um, expansion joints amongst expansion there with your, joints. with your tile, with whatever it is you have. Sure. You know? So all that comes to play on the back end when you have all these three, four different kinds of structure in one building type. If you could have one structure... They say, Shane, let's, we want you to deal with our Hambro division or our wood frame or our podium construction. Is there one structure that you have just had good experience with throughout the process, or does it vary? What would you want to do? I think everyone likes those slab on grade wood yeah. frame buildings. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I don't want to say they're easy, but that was Harkins bread and butter yeah. for many years. Those things go quickly. You see a lot of progress in a short amount of time. Yeah. The concrete and the steel takes longer. I kind of prefer the concrete and steel world. I like the commercial construction aspect um, of it. It's a the aspect. Yeah. I kind of like the sub base on that side a little better. Like the project we did together up at Fort Dix. I mean, we had some of the first class subcontractors oh, yeah. up there. I mean, you remember that guy we had out of North Carolina, that framer. He was Unbelievable. something else. The guy built the entire, what was that, a 80 or 90,000 square foot roof in the parking lot. It was crazy. And set that thing up on the roof. Yeah, they, uh, I mean, the, the trades are, are definitely different. As we kind of, as a company, get into more of like these senior living projects, you know, those use groups 
kind of demand more of that metal construction, some of those more complicated things. I know Mark and those guys over on the commercial side, you know, are looking at a lot of concrete, a lot of steel, a lot of things like that. Um, And we did a lot of those structures back in the 80s. Yeah, we built this place. So we did a lot of concrete. You know, the other thing that gets difficult in these buildings is zoning types switch all over the place. For instance, the building we're in down there at Fair Oaks, you know, you have the independent, the IL side, independent living, and then you have the AZ side, or the uh, assisted living, uh, AL, and then you have the AZ section. Well, at Fair Oaks, they stuck seven, eight, nine, I think we got eight units in the IL building, which is a wood frame building, uh, but they put these Alzheimer's units in there. So now... And sandwiched in the middle of the building, now you have this two-hour rated assembly that has to sneak through your whole building because... Oh, no, because the structure is not rated for that... For that type of zoning. Interesting. Uh, Because that's an I-2 zoning where the independent living, that's all R-2. So now you have a different use group, which constitutes different problems. And now you've got a two-hour rated assembly that's running horizontally through one floor of the building that you didn't have on the rest of the building. And that changes a lot of things as well. So, you know, these... uh, you know, these senior living buildings are not easy. They're yeah. not easy at all. If you ever get a chance to talk to John Loftus or Dan Wickham or any of these guys who are wrapping up, you know, like Grovesner or one of these projects, these these Brightviews, I mean, they're tough. Yeah. You know, you, you pretty much have to start with the end in sight. You know, you yeah. have to kind of build them backwards, you know, because something as easy as a, a fire alarm device, you know, might be where the water feature goes on yeah, the wall. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. know, you have to, and then, you know, behind there is the column, and you kind of yeah. just have to, to tear these things apart backwards and build it backwards, and then, for real, then build, build it forward, forward right? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, I mean, they're challenging. And yeah. it's, you know, it's the use type. It's the construction type. It's... You know, everything that goes with them, they're, they're, they're tough to build. Yeah, it's crazy. I appreciate you coming in. Sure, so thanks for having me. It was great to, great to see you. 